0: Live from the 6th and Peabody Studio and across the Outkick Network, this is Outkick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Titans made a trade over the weekend to get Robert Woods from the Los Angeles Rams in exchange for a 2023 sixth round draft pick. I'm getting that right, right? It was a sixth round pick.
2: Yes. Yeah. And next year, which is cute. Yeah, and next obviously year. obviously they're depleted a little bit this year without second.
0: And it's a solid move for a a solid player, except for the fact that he had a torn ACL, suffered that injury right after they signed Odell Beckham Jr. this past season. And he'll be recovering from that this offseason. But on the field and in the locker room, substantial upgrade from the wide receiver group that they had last year. And then, of course, you pair that with Austin Hooper, who they've signed from tight end. And on Saturday at like one o'clock in the afternoon, they became immediately better at both positions compared to where they left off with both positions last year.
2: Unquestionably. And listen, Robert Woods has an impeccable reputation around the league. Great locker room guy, super work ethic, terrific blocker. I know Titans fans are going to say, Oh, here we go with that again. But but he's one of the best blockers in the league. He also is a great pass catcher, a great route runner. The one thing he doesn't have that the Titans continue to fail to address, hopefully we'll hit on in the draft is is blazing speed. You know, I think he was a four five, one guy coming out and that was nine years ago. Um But listen, if he was perfectly healthy, this would be huge cause for applause. Yeah, he's twenty nine. But, you know, you're not going to get a guy like this at his peak at, at, you know, at at this value. But are they going to be waiting on another ACL guy again? I mean, it's harder for a receiver, you have to presume, than it is for an outside linebacker. And Bud Dupree had issues and wasn't himself for five, six weeks. Taylor Lewan was coming off an October torn ACL, and he wasn't himself for a good while and, and. uh he didn't miss a game for it. He had a concussion and he yeah, he, he did miss a game. He stepped out from one in, in in warmups, And so yet again, you've got a guy that you're waiting on and they'll say it's no big deal and the timing will be fine and all of that. But we've been through it just now with Julio Jones in Nashville with his soft tissue injuries and everything. And there's always some caveat with something. As, uh, still, it's is it a good value? I, look, I can't go all the way in again on something that isn't re- going to be ready. But could it pan out great? Sure, they're paying them thirteen million dollars this year. They just paid, I think, three five of it in a bonus that was due Sunday.
0: That's why they traded him.
2: That was the timing of the of the trade. There's another ten due. Um, that can get out of it next year for nothing. So it could be a one year thirteen million dollar deal. That could have him for another two or three years after that at what will prove reasonable prices under the cap if he's healthy. He played 56 of 57 games in a row before the ACL. He had some early career injuries in Buffalo and stuff.
0: And it's a contract they can renegotiate easily if they need to. If they need to yes. free up space for a big 20000000 dollar contract that they're going to give A.J. Brown a year from now, if they need to do it now, they could do it. Although it's a walk- think- it's a wash based on just, if you just look at the base number, they were going to owe Julio a 95 and a half.
2: Nine point six. And they're going to owe him
0: about 10, right? Yeah.
2: So come June 1st, when they get that savings, you can think of it as applied to this. Though no, they need this money now. Yes. They don't get the Julio money till then. You should think of the Julio money really as their draft money um, plus contingency money or whatever. Uh, look, it's hard not to get excited about this move for them. What it should do, Hutt is mean that they're not desperate for con- contribution from draft picks, which in most markets you'd say, well, I want my first round pick to come in and contribute. But in this market, <laughs> uh, outside of uh, A.J. Brown, it doesn't happen. Right, Chad? So, But they, sh- I want them drafting a first round wide receiver who comes in and they've got a three-man thing with Robert Woods as one of the three and maybe you don't get a lot out of him at the beginning. But that first-round rod receiver, I don't want this slow plan, this red shirt plan. I want him in the mix on opening day.
0: Chad, as long as his knee comes back and he's okay, he's an extremely productive wideout.
2: So, Opening day. You, you guys tell day? me
0: if I'm crazy
3: to have this initial thought when I saw Robert Woods traded to the Titans, which is different than anything that I've read or seen on this. So much hubbub about Deontay Foreman. Leaving, which I don't think is a big deal at all.
2: Not nearly. I think you as find
3: value at running back so many places. I did not care one bit, and Deontay Foreman was fine. Deontay Foreman was unemployed when the Titans found him, and he was great. You can find a lot of guys like and that. And they
2: signed Dontrell Hilliard.
3: I think that Robert Woods makes finding a backup running back less important because the guy carries the football. He is a jack of all trades ball carrier that was used in interesting and entertaining ways by Sean McVay in that offense. So, well, I think it's a great move because it, it, it takes some of the cover off of A.J. Brown and will help him when you get another veteran that has done it in the league to go out there and not put all the focus on A.J. Brown and take some of that away. I think it helps the Titans because it will actually spell Derrick Henry in the running game in ways that we're not looking at right now with how they can get the ball outside to Robert Woods. This is some short passing, but I'm talking about traditional run plays. There were times where he'd, he'd be put in motion. There was a lot of end-to-round sweeps where it was a direct snap or a quick handoff to Robert Woods in that McVay offense. His ability to do that, I think, lessens the need for backup running back for the Titans. Do you guys think I'm crazy when I yes. say that?
2: He carried 24 times the most in his career.
3: I'm not saying it takes the, the the need for backup running back away. One point five. Carries I'm saying they can they can sprinkle it around with that.
2: Yeah, a little bit, but it's like they use Jonu Smith or something. It's it's not much of a backup uh, plan.
3: I also don't think that the need for backup is something that has to be addressed early at all. No, I'm drought. fine
2: with the, I'm fine with where they are now with Hilliard and this no name guy they signed who they sell as a special teamer. Their propensity to sign special team players early, Hutton, and sell them as something. Craig Aukerman Tritton gets Cannon, more guys. Name. Craig Ackerman gets more guys and they are average special teams more often. It's unbelievable. Has there been an assistant coach who gets more regular guys presented to him? Craig Aukerman, how about you do something with some of these guys?
0: With these specialists. Yeah. Uh, speaking of special, he has, uh, going back to Robert Woods, He he has been very special on first down. Prior to his injury... He had the third most first down receptions in the NFL, behind only Tim Patrick and DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, the Rams got him the football early early down situations. And if you go back to 2019, 2020, he was 50 yards. AJ Brown was the number one receiver for the Titans that season. He was going Robert Woods was 50 yards off of AJ Brown's pace of that what it was 11, 1200 yard season. Um, where he was 20th in the NFL in receiving yards for the full season. So, look, they, they got a very capable, uh, very solid addition. And Paul's right about the blocking. Um, Pro Football Focus has these run blocking grades for wide receivers. He was first last year. He was 11th for two years in a row. And back in 2017, he was second in the league for wide receivers and run blocking. So he fits the, the MO for what they want to do as an offense.
2: Look, I admire the going for it thing, but their recent record with going for it with, uh, with veteran guys, which hasn't all been Julio Jones, Jadavian Clowney did not work out. It doesn't mean you stop trying, but it does mean you are a little less confident when you see them make the move for, for
0: me. How, uh, did, you st- did you talk with Austin Hooper today?
2: Yes. He said, he was asked, what led you here? And he said, well, an offer, really, which did not uh, echo like, whoa. Um, I thought it was kind of uh, weak. He he said ultimately he chose between two teams. But you're thinking – this guy's pretty good player that was underutilized. Well, he also said his talk with in, Kevin Hogan. In Cleveland, yeah. Kevin he followed Hogan up with after that. was a huge sales, you never know which guy on your team is going to help you land it. Who guy. was
3: his college quarterback at, at Stanford. Stanford?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, Hooper is a terrifically better guy than anybody they had. Last oh, year, yeah. we all know that they just said, oh, you know, um, we're going to let Johnny Smith walk and we're just going to knock everybody up a peg and scheme this bad boy up and we'll be fine. Which was this egotistical, arrogant thing that they do sometimes, which just and Scheme we're gonna be up. we're gonna be more <laughs> we're gonna be more three wide, so it's not gonna matter. And with Furkser and and Pruitt and Jeff Swaim, Jeff Swain will be back. It, it it was insufficient. Now you put Hooper at the top of that list. I think you draft the guy Hutt fourth or fifth round in a good bunch of tight ends that's gonna go that in that range. Right. And Swaim has to be three. And you'll have revamped the thing and you can go back to being a team that has a tight end presence. I asked him, you aware of this being a historically tight end, heavy organization? And he said, you mean Delaney Walker? Yeah, I know about Delaney Walker. And he wasn't going deep history. He wasn't talking wide check or anything, but.
0: Um, well, at the time though, I mean, that's a two tight end set that they're, I think they're going to use more of. Because Jim Kelly. Yeah.
2: And because, uh, you know, they can't produce the wide receivers necessarily to, to continue. The one thing I don't want, you know, the Robert Woods thing to be is, oh, we'll use Des Fitzpatrick until Robert Woods is ready because the light bulbs come on for Des Fitzpatrick. Look, again, if Des Fitzpatrick does something next season, that's great. It has to be considered gravy. You can't go into this season counting on it. Des Fitzpatrick, Westbrook Aquina I like Westbrook Aquina He's a piece, though. He's a four-ish, you know, three on a day when you're one and you're two and your top tight end are – getting a lot of quantity. That's what Nick Westbrook-Akina is, and he's great at that. I, I love him. But he's not a pure three, and he sure as hell is in a two. You've got to also draft somebody now that you're going to count on to produce from the beginning and not say, oh, how you doing, buddy? Uh, how's day one? You know? <laughs> we'll see you day two. Day we'll, one at camp. Day two, we'll let you run a second route. And maybe, <laughs> uh, day Did three. you bring your,
3: your sack lunch today? Right. <laughs> Make sure you have your sandwich in there. You
2: know, I don't understand what's wrong with expectations for rookies. And I, but I don't expect that to change either. You know, so I'm being very wary about injured guys and rookie expectations.
0: Well, at some point, they've got to get production from their rookie class. They did like,
2: from AJ Brown.
0: This is a bigger. They did from topic, Jeffrey Simmons
2: but, after six games.
0: But I mean, they they've they've invested a lot on high picks, and they haven't received very much from it over the last couple of seasons. At some point, that comes back to bite you. And it, it's like what I was saying with Cleveland giving up three first round picks and and while they're investing in what they have and they're, they're going for it. You also have to, there, there's a mix of trying to make it work now and in the future. And the Titans have done a good job of that staying in, staying relevant, uh, you know, short term and long term. But in order to continue that path, you have to start hitting on some picks that contribute yeah. early where you don't have to rely on Robert Woods, you know, who's coming in off an ACL to be a true number two. And that's what he is. He's a true number two wide receiver.
2: The other thing for Cleveland, Hutt, that that puts pressure on Cleveland, you can't miss your twos. You can't miss your threes, right? right? And then say you have, uh, you know, in the span of two years, you miss on a two and you miss on a three. Well, now your roster is strained in a way that previously, if you had ones... You have a little looseness Start expensive there. Expensive contracts. Yeah, and then the pressure's on and you got you're asking your four to do more than you would ask your four to do, and everything gets strained. The Titans are in a similar circumstance because they've they've missed, or you're letting a one like Rashawn Evans just walk out the door without a care. He's in Jacksonville today working out. I think the Titans would love to play against Rashawn <laughs> Evans right twice at him. a year. The one right thing at him. you wouldn't do is run a fourth and one at him. But outside of that, you know, get him in space. Have
0: fun. So, Robert Woods is traded. He had the roster bonus due on Sunday, and they traded him on Saturday. But prior to the Saturday trade, they signed Allen Robinson. So, the Rams now have Cooper Cup, Allen Robinson, and Van Jefferson as their top three. With the potential. And then they've also extended Matthew Stafford. So, he gets the extension it makes him one of the one of six quarterbacks with an average annual value of at least forty million dollars.
2: And they could resign Odell Beckham, who's recovering from his own
0: ACL. Could do that as well, yeah. But the long they have the It'll longer recovery time for him. The longest. The longest, And Woods right.
2: is, is uh long too.
0: By the way, the quarterbacks that join that Stafford joins on forty million plus per season: Dak Prescott, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, and Deshaun Watson. It's a good list. That's your group.
2: It's a very That's your uh, group. It's a very fine list. I like when I look up pictures to use with the stories I write about these guys to find them playing against the Titans. So I found Hooper. Here's a picture of him making, catch making a catch against, against Landry in Atlanta.
0: So the Titans won that game.
2: And then I go to this and I find Woods making a catch on Chris Jackson in L.A. early this year before he got hurt. I just think it adds a little flavor to see your new guy making a play against some of your own guys.
0: Hit us up on Twitter at OutKick360. Coming up, we'll dive back in uh, to some NFL free agency talk. We've got to get into Juju Smith-Schuster signing in Kansas City and the lineup that it now looks like uh, where even the backups should be considered starters. I'll explain, but there, there are some guys left off the list that everyone's tweeting out about who Patrick Mahomes has to divvy the football to. We also need to discuss the other wide receiver addition in the AFC West. Paul was out last week whenever Devontae Adams was traded to the Las Vegas Raiders. We also have big thoughts on the NCAA tournament in the Sweet 16. A lot to hit over the final 45 minutes of Outkick 360.
1: What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie.
0: Outkick three hundred and sixty rolls on across the Outkick network, and here at Sixth and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. So the Chiefs just keep getting better. <laughs> Juju Smith-Schuster now added to their to their lineup to their roster. Already have Tyreek Hill. Um, of course, Travis Kelsey. We know what they have with Patrick Mahomes, but in all of this, they people forget to mention like. Michael Hardeman, uh, Josh Gordon's still there, to my knowledge, too. I mean, they've got they have a starting roster, and then their backups would be like, you know, uh, uh, it, the, Pringle they, is still there, right? Who was yes, pretty good for yes, them? Yes, they would be starting from. I mean, they would be starting on fifteen teams across the league. I love. The I mean, we could Smith go through Schuster, them,
2: but and his his deal was papered up. Turns out to not be that costly. I mean. Uh, he, he's a perfect player for there as far as I'm concerned. And I was saying last year when they were slumping that I thought they were one weapon short. I, I love him as that additional weapon. I think he'll fit in beautifully there and that they'll do great things with him. And that when plays break down, he, he's a, a terrific kind of guy uh, to turn and make things happen w- with Mahomes. Uh, really smart addition. I'm surprised there wasn't a bit more of a market for him. I know uh, last year wasn't wasn't big, but um,
0: well, last year he was hurt. He, they he tried to. So bit, last right? off season, they tried to the 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 Chiefs tried to sign him, and he opted to stay one year with Signed Pittsburgh. Year. And this year he does he does the opposite. Part of that has to be just direction of the franchise yeah, for Pittsburgh. Know who
2: his quarterback is. Uh, or it might be Trubisky. I mean, that, that, that's you, you got to get more money to play with a lesser quarterback as a as a receiver. But he he's yeah. not viewed quite as big. But there's they, they call it a, a bad quarterback tax. Corey Davis got a bad quarterback tax to go p- play with the Jets. Certain guys, you see, they say, well, that guy's not going to do as well there because he's playing with an inexperienced quarterback, an ineffective quarterback, a guy you don't know what you're going to get. Whereas, you know, if you're going to play with Patrick Mahomes, probably not getting as much money.
0: And then there's DeAndre Hopkins, uh, who has the $27.5 million per year average. And that ends up being what Devontae Adams was after, but not with Green Bay. According to reports, according to reports, it was a relationship issue with Green Bay in their front office to where they knew when they franchise tagged him, he wasn't going to play with them. Aaron Rodgers apparently he knew Rogers it too. too. And uh, by the way, the, the deeper topic, we can dive into this new contract with Aaron Rodgers. It's a one-year contract. And I'll, we can dive into this later in the week with the details of it. It's a one-year contract for both sides. But going back to, uh, going back to Adams, he reunites with his college quarterback, and he heads out west, which are two things I think he wanted to do, and and now if you look at the Raiders lineup, you you add Devonte Adams with that group, what a what a way to impact a new head coach with McDaniel's along with a quarterback who's on the final year of his deal.
2: And they played together in college, right? He yeah. loves college. and State. apparently he loves the idea of playing quote unquote out west.
3: But listen, by the way, I respect this move. The way I don't respect Deshaun Watson for claiming yeah. it's a football decision. When at first it wasn't, I respect a guy for saying, you know, I just want to get the heck out of northern Wisconsin. <laughs> and I don't want to be around that anymore. I want to go, want to go back west. Here's the thing That's about fine. this
2: move. I don't think the return's enough. I think a first and a second is enough. I don't think a first and a second where Oakland is drafting is enough. I don't know if you guys saw this last week. Somebody put this out. You know what this return is equal to? Caleb Farley and Dylan Radins. They were drafted in these two slots. Would you trade Devontae Adams for Caleb Farley and Dylan Raidens? I'm not saying those are good picks. I'm saying those are the guys who went in those slots most recently. You can't trade Devontae Adams for that. It's got to be a better pick. I would have said to the Raiders, listen, we're up for this deal. Go upgrade your first-round pick. Go upgrade, it. Go upgrade it by 12 to 15 slots. That's what he's worth.
3: But you're looking at it through the Titans draft pick in those slots, and you've got an organization and a quarterback – that could very well be saying, as great as Devonte Adams is, we can get a guy in the first round at receiver in this spot and be fine. I'd want to. He be may sure. not be Devontae Adams, but there's the football is going to go around to a I number understand. of guys. And our system with our quarterback shows someone can get the job done.
2: I'd want to be sure I get the first receiver. First receiver, I'd want to be fourteen. 15, something like that, to have a pretty clear chance, if not the first, at the second. If you're drafting at, what, 22? You're at risk of not getting, say, Alave, if that's your target or whatever. Now, maybe they package their first and, and the Raiders first to move up, but I fear a little bit they could could wind up not with exactly who they want. I want to get exactly who I want to replace Devontae Adams. I, I do I want the to- the pick of the draft. Well, Devonte Adams League.
3: was a second-round pick. No, I, understand, I understand. They, um, they were I, fortunate there. I, I don't want to sound overly cocky about a team who hasn't won but one Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers, and it was going on 13 years ago when it happened. But I think the Packers are perfectly confident in the 22nd pick being a receiver that's going to help them immensely, whoever it is, even if it's not the first guy. Offensively, with that quarterback, Back-to-back MVP, they have right to be confident. I get what you're saying, Paul. Maybe you would want more in return for someone as great as Devontae Adams, but I, I think they're going to be fine Well, I think for the receiver in that spot. Maybe the,
0: I'm wrong. The storyline to me is how many times have we seen a player get slapped with a franchise tag and say, you know what, I'm not going to play. But then they play because it's a million dollars a week that they're ultimately opting out on. There's a $20 million tag on Adams. the guys Adams. have
2: held out, screwed themselves, M Bell.
0: Well, you, you can hold out, but teams call their bluff. Right. The Packers didn't even wait to do that. They didn't wait until July's deadline to do this. They knew that Devontae Adams was not going to play for them. This tells you that by them trading away for, for getting this in return. This is also a franchise that re-signs their own when they're the stars of their particular position. David Bakhtiari, extension, <sighs> Kenny Clark doesn't even sniff free agency. And you've got Aaron Rodgers, who they're willing to tear up any contract and make sure that he comes back for. But not with Devontae Adams. That's telling. That, that to me, says everything that was behind the scenes that we heard about that relationship is 100% accurate and true, because if they don't trade him now, they're not going to get a better offer down the line as teams construct their rosters, as teams draft rookies for cheap money. And when they have a team that's willing to give the big-time mega bucks that the Raiders are willing to give Adams. By the way, based on what I was reading, the Packers would have done the same thing. That's what it said. But Adams refused. This really – Wasn't now, going to play for them.
2: That may have been uh, – you know, Florio was saying, well, they fed that to all the beat writers to say Maybe. after the trade to, to soften the blow for the fans. But this does give them some salary cap relief. They're going to get two guys on rookie deals – in exchange for one guy on a giant franchise tag, which was, what, 18-plus or 20?
0: Yeah, for him, it's 20.
2: Yeah, wide receiver franchise tag is is pretty costly. Um, yeah, Hope Rogers builds immediate chemistry, and it's certainly possible. He's been waiting on a young, young big-time receiver for a long time. Again, talent pouring into the AFC, the best receiver in the game, coming in, not just to the AFC, into that division Mm-hmm. Which is just a gauntlet, um, and is is going to be painful. They get a little salary cap relief, take a little pressure off of that valve. Um, but this is going to be one that is open to second guessing along the way if their rookies don't come in and produce right away. And that's going to be Aaron Rodgers' charge to a large large degree, right? He's got to got to get get things down with guys right away, and they need more than one. Um, and now they'll have, I presume they have their own picks. The other thing that was a debate a little bit hot, it sounded like, is the Packers do re-sign their own, but they don't guarantee money beyond the first year. And that was uh, most guys kind of accept it as that's the Packers' way, and Adams wasn't so much into the Packers' way.
0: NCAA tournament with the sweet sixteen set. Guys, let's uh let's switch gears and, and discuss some of the top storylines. This now becomes well, it's, it's 1A or 1B. It's either Coach K and can, can Duke win it on his way out, or it's Gonzaga winning their first championship and Mark Few getting the one instead of the zero off the resume uh, and, and getting the one on the resume, one being the title. They're going to meet, uh, if, you, if you believe it's one or the other, they're going to meet in the Elite Eight for the right to go to the Final Four. And from there, it becomes one storyline. But right now, is there a bigger storyline than one of those two among the matchups that we have in front of us?
3: No, I don't think so. I don't think it's particularly close. Now, look, it's the Sweet Six team. You could pick a story with all these teams that mm-hmm. are left, and there's a compelling story to follow with everyone as they try to win a national title. But Hutton, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think the storyline now is Gonzaga still trying to win their first title, which feels like destiny that it will happen at some point. Given all their success, they've been so close. Two national championship game losses, including one last year to Baylor. I think it's Gonzaga and their quest for title number one. And it's Coach K in his 26th Sweet 16. That's right, 26th Sweet 16 appearance as head coach at Duke, trying to go out on top. And I think the winner of that Elite Eight game Becomes the national storyline.
2: Well, we're two right? games if away from that being the same story. Yeah,
3: like now the hope is, at least for me, again, and now I'm rooting for story and what I want to see more than anything else. I don't want to see Texas Tech and Arkansas in the Elite Eight. I want to see Gonzaga and Duke. All due respect to two great programs who've had terrific years. Give me Gonzaga and Duke in that game, and the winner of that one goes to the Final Four, and all eyes of America will be on either one of those stories taking place and getting to a national championship game where that's all we're going to be talking about.
2: I do not want Duke to win the national championship, but I do not want him to lose yet. And you have to watch Duke now. Uh, I mean, as long as they're playing, you have to watch him because it could be his last game. And he, no matter how you feel about him, he's an institution. And the idea that it could be his last handshake at the end of a game is absolutely compelling sports theater.
0: A great job by them pouring on Michigan State late. They, they played yesterday. Terrific. It was a great mm-hmm. game. Great game top to bottom. And Michigan State played well uh, you know, as you as you would expect in that matchup. Um, but but Duke, I mean, they got it was the sophomore, uh Jeremy Roach. Roach, yeah, who's who been clutch. He, he heated up in the second half, but it was because A.J. Griffin got hurt. And then Roach came off the bench and he wouldn't miss.
3: Yeah. Paolo Bonquero is um the guy who can be unstoppable for this Duke team. I'll add Williams down low. Does
2: the grandson that, still drive him also. around? Uh, that's, a,
3: that's a good question. I feel like the grandson mm-hmm. got into a game recently because uh, I was watching the end of a game late. It was the Virginia Tech game when they lost in the ACC championship and he was out there for the final two possessions. He does not have the name Shashevsky. Uh, so the it's a, is what I call Yeah, it. it's his daughter's son. So it's a different last name um anyway how'd he how
2: play terrific
3: uh I think he got a shot up I don't think it was good I don't I don't think <laughs> he made it but I do think that I feel like he got a shot up late in the game um who will be getting shots up is Paolo Boncaro Roach has been clutch Williams down low Duke is uh you know maybe more talented than anyone left yeah in this field but th- the problem has been they have no counterpunch when things aren't going their way they have a tendency to not respond they responded yesterday that was a Michigan State team that. that's uh, another program that knows how to win in March and a coach that wins a lot in March with Tom Izzo. Duke was down five with a little over four minutes left, and they went to work. Boncaro scored. A Roach ends up hitting the three that puts them up four that eventually wins the game for them. Very impressed with Duke's fight. Uh, I like what Coach K said in the immediate aftermath. He has no voice, by the way, uh, when he was talking with the, the sideline reporter after the game, but he yeah. said... A lot's being made about me and he said this, is, this was the player showing guts. I have nothing to do with that. He said we've done everything we can from a game plan standpoint and we're down five and we had a bunch of freshmen and sophomore show the guts to step it up and hit some big shots. I can't hit that three to put us up four that Roach hit. I thought it was well said um, by Coach, Gay, Coach K. So, look, those are the two storylines now. Duke and Gonzaga moving forward, and Duke is as talented as anyone.
0: That Texas Tech defense, though, can be the wrinkle you're discussing about how they don't have a second punch or reaction. They block a lot of shots. That Texas, I mean, they smothered no- Notre Dame in that matchup, and I realize it was a six-point game on the scoreboard. It did not feel like that, watching that.
3: There is a culture and a style to Texas Tech basketball. Carries, they are so over. identifiable. From Chris Beard, he leaves – and Mark Adams in year one, there has been no drop-off. He was the quote-unquote defensive coordinator for Texas Tech. The guy looks like a 35-year high school basketball coaching legend, <laughs> right? Like you just look at him and I'm thinking, this is the head coach at Texas Tech? He just looks like he has the look and feel of a guy and how calm he is on the sideline that's been at uh, you know a smaller high school for four decades and won multiple state titles. But Texas Tech is going to be a problem for Duke. You're right. That is a style. Uh, and that's why they're the underdog. Duke's the two seed. Tech is the three seed. Yet Tech is favored in that game.
0: Nico E. Vea. quarterback for job. the Tennessee Volunteers, uh, five-star commits today to Tennessee and Coach Josh Heupel. Chad, uh, he's been labeled a generational talent at the position. Yeah, and
3: he's been labeled that by his quarterback coach, who also coaches Bryce Young, uh, who's at Alabama. Both from California, uh, he's from Long Beach. Nico is—I'll I'll just go with Nico to shorten it. It's huge for Tennessee for a, a few reasons. One, if you're going to be relevant in the SEC, you have to have a great quarterback, unless you're Georgia. All right, now that's that's the that's the one. Put them aside because they've done it without a, a generational talent at quarterback. But they're very different. I don't think Tennessee under Josh Heupel is going to get the level of defensive recruit that Kirby Smart's able to get at Georgia. So they're going to have to outscore people and be an offensive juggernaut. They're not going to be the offensive juggernaut they need to be to contend for SEC and national championships. And make no mistake, if you're in the mix for an SEC title, you're in the mix for a playoff spot. They can do that with a generational talent at quarterback. And Josh Heupel has shown he can develop any plan around his quarterback. There's not much scheming that needs to get done with this guy. He is 6 foot 6, 200 pounds. He runs the football very well. He can sling it. He makes every throw. I don't know how his career is going to turn out, but this is what Tennessee has to have if they're going to be a national player again. Brent Hubbs at Volquest wrote about this guys, and he started with the announcement in 1994 that a skinny kid from New Orleans was coming to Tennessee. And it shocked the college football world that Peyton Manning did not go to Ole Miss at the time. And Tennessee was thought of as an afterthought for him. Look at the final three for Nico. Tennessee, Alabama, and Georgia. And he ends up at Tennessee from Long Beach, California. I don't know that the results are going to be the same, but what Peyton Manning did for Tennessee in really bringing them into a new era of national relevance... The hope is that Nico can do that for this generation. Well, you become realistic. Of football team
0: in the conversation, you become realistic because you, because you can point to him going there. So if there's another four or five star that you're competing against for the same, you know, against the same school, at least from a from a national relevancy, you yes. can say, hey, they've already got the quarterback. Why can't they go land? It's a guy?
3: message to the rest of the country, the college football world. But you're right, Hutton, in that it is a message to everyone in this class. He's going to bring three, four, five-star receivers with him on his next visit that he is actively recruiting. And it's a message to the state of Tennessee. If the one of the top quarterback prospects in America from Long Beach, California, picks the Vols, you can stay in state and play for the Vols. You don't need to go to Georgia or Alabama or somewhere else or Michigan or Ohio State to be relevant. You can stay in state. And I guarantee you that is now the message from
2: Tennessee's coaches. Great job by Heupel. Um the, the, the it's next, a great job by a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not just Apple, but you're right. And we didn't know this. The um, he's the guy he who the can job. sell the offense. That's right. And yeah. Listen, the the next great job, I don't want to be pessimistic here, has to happen by the the weight staff. Because oh, for sure. you can't look at yeah, that guy and think. You're right. Man, he's gonna sustain uh, SEC pounding. Let the Georgia defensive ends and outside linebackers have at that guy he's going to have to beef up to some degree. And I'm sure he's good at taking hits and all of that. But the next thing is physical development. Would you say, Chad, six?
3: He's 6'6". Six, six, uh, I've seen one 195 and another list him at
2: 200. And and I, I watched that video and he looked, you know, slight. And then I saw him in a workout shirt and he looked super slight. So he's going to have to get some weight and muscle above the waist no matter how good a runner he is, he's going to get cracked at some point and you're going to have to get up. And that would be my number one thinking. Without having seen his arm, without having seen him run, he's got to be durable.
3: I would agree with that. The hope is we have Nico on our show tomorrow. That'd be awesome. Uh, by Zoom. Um, the other thing that I'll add for, for Tennessee, this is going to win them a lot of games. I believe that. If he's the quarterback that he's supposed to be, it's going to help Tennessee win a lot of games. But to win... The biggest games, and I'm talking Alabama or Georgia, one of the two, or both, or the big dogs from the SEC West.
0: Georgia and Florida, but let's start there.
3: They have got to get, I'm not saying they have to get defensive recruits to the level of Alabama or Georgia. They have to get a couple of elite pass rushers. They have to get a couple, not one, a couple of game wreckers. Someone who can force a big turnover when needed. That's really all this Tennessee offense needs. Right, that's going to be their plan. Let's get a couple of disruptions. Let's, let's get a couple big turnovers. If we get that, we feel like we're going to move the ball, possess it enough, score enough touchdowns that you can knock off one of the big dogs. It's Not going to happen immediately. Keep in mind, this kid's about to be a senior in high school. It'll be next year when he arrives. They have a really good quarterback in Hinton Hooker coming back this year. But it's a big statement for the program.
0: You know we're pumped about? USFL uh, is just around the corner, less than a month away from kickoff. April 16th is your kickoff date uh, where you will see a nationally televised game on both Fox and NBC. Uh, but USFL, they have tickets on sale for their first few weekends of the season available now. Adult tickets, just $10. These are full day passes at Protective Stadium in Birmingham. Uh, great stadium there. And you can bring three kids under the age of fifteen with your adult ticket for free. This means for ten bucks, you can <coughs> attend all three games on Sunday, April seventeenth. Come and go as you please for the triple header. Same for week two, for instance, the double header on Saturday, April 23rd. Go to theUSFL.com, theUSFL.com for more information on the schedule and how you can purchase tickets. Stay tuned, more coming on Outkick 360.
2: With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever.
0: Welcome back to Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network. He can notice how to go hire coaches. You know, he's got Brian Kelly as his football coach, and now he gets Matt McMahon, head coach at Murray State, who has taken Murray State to three NCAA tournament appearances since 2018 to replace Will Wade, and will do so facing NCAA uh, restrictions as he gets there. Potential uh, postseason restrictions. But their AD, Scott Woodward, able to get Matt McMahon, who is an excellent basketball coach, he's not going to have to carry the name that Brian Kelly does. That's not what I'm getting at. But he, he gets someone that is certainly going to not just stabilize the program, but can do so and win at the same at the same rate. I, I think that's important, and that's the landing spot, according to reports, for Matt McMahon at Murray.
2: I'm not saying they, they necessarily have success, but at, is it fair? This is off the top of my head to say – that in college basketball, the pool to go find people when you have an opening seems better than football. Oh, for sure, because there's
3: 350 other Division One programs. You know, it's not; it's a bigger, bigger group pool. of well, mid to low major. There always seem to be up and comers
0: ready. Well, and then ten to fifteen of them just made the tournament and are looking for a pay. Yeah, oh, well,
3: let's look at all the SEC hires. Florida gets Todd Golden from San Francisco, who had the Dons as a seven seed in the NCAA tournament or a ten seed. One of the two. Either way, they're in the tournament, ten seed because they played Murray State as a seven seed. Matt McMahon goes to LSU, great mid major coach at a really good, a great mid major program in Murray State. Um, Dennis Gates, the coach at Cleveland State, who did very well there, is going to be the new coach at Missouri in the SEC. South Carolina is the one right now that's left. Uh, Mississippi State hires uh, Steve Jans, the head coach of New Mexico State, who we just saw beat UConn. Shaheen Holloway is going
0: to be at, at Seton Hall. Shaheen
3: Holloway goes to C- Seton Hall. And I'm, I was just looking at SEC. But South Carolina is the one without a job. Reports coming out that it's a mess, that their search, they've been turned away by a number of people. They wanted Sean Miller. Sean Miller opts to go back to Xavier after everything falls apart with an FBI investigation at Arizona proving what Dan Dockage said, and he tweeted this, you don't get a job if you get fired for losing. That's the only unforgivable thing. You can do literally anything else, but if you get fired Mm -hmm. for losing, you don't come back from it. Get fired for anything else, you can come back. Sean Miller, another example going back to Xavier. Um, And now it's down to Chattanooga's coach for South Carolina or B.J. Mackey, who was a great player, I believe on one of the Eddie Fogler SEC championship teams at South Carolina in the 90s, was a great player for them, and he's currently an assistant at Wake Forest, down to two for the South Carolina job. But to your point, Paul, there's always that mid-major, up-and-coming, recent NCAA tournament coach. Ready to go. You can go pluck at a Power 5 school.
0: What it, does, it, does it indicate anything that McMahon's willing to take the LSU job knowing that there's Potentially a postseason ban headed their way. for No, multiple because seasons. I
3: think what's going to happen is he'll just get a ton of money and a, a lot of security in years on the
0: contract. And that'll make a considerable upgrade in pay. Now. Well,
3: Matt are reporting it could be up to two years uh, postseason ban. Uh, that's tough because you're initially recruiting guys and telling them, "Hey, stick with us. Um, you're not. You have no chance. See this NCAA tournament. Everyone in America is watching. You got no shot at that for two years." Now come play for me and help me build this thing for year three when we're hopefully in the tournament. It's not the easiest sales pitch. If you're walking in, we don't know that yet, but if it's a two-year postseason ban, that's going to be tough for Mac McMahon. They're going to face sanctions. We don't know what they are yet, but he's definitely going to get hit with sanctions. By him, I mean LSU. And,
0: Paul, going back to your point about the the upgrades and coaching talent and how you can go find your guy, I mean, consider you've got – Things going on at St. Peter's, right, where Seton Hall's found their new head coach, a former, and he's certainly a great player at Seton Hall. But point being, he just beat Kentucky, and there are three assistant coaches for Kentucky that make more than him annually. Yeah. So you've got a great coach who's now going to get a pay upgrade, and that's just the feeder system. That The tournament ends up being the feeder system for big-time Power 5 programs that end up needing to look around for that next big upgrade. Well,
2: the, my curiosity then, like, I don't know how many seniors are on that St. Peter's roster, but is there somebody for whom that's an upgrade who can maybe extend St. Peter's success into a two-year thing No, and turn that into something?
3: No, and, and look, that that's a testament to the, what they've done the tournament. That's one of the worst jobs in the country. I mean, the answer is no. The, what they should do is upgrade, uh, elevate one of their assistants who helped yeah. Holloway, that's usually what happens is that guy gets a shot. If he continues it, then that's when, you know, you get things rolling to where you become Loyola. Right. Who right. Well, can go to the next is, coach and just keep it, keep it going. Well, I
2: was talking earlier about the, the resent, quote-unquote, that I have for people who don't know. Now people know the school, and weird things happen that you don't never think. Like admissions applications go up a ridiculous percentage, and their Q rating and all that stuff that I would never think you'd get that much of a bounce from one week of national publicity takes off. Uh, And it does wonders for
3: the school. We'll never forget St. Peter's now. Yeah. That's the difference. Just people who follow sports. Oh, that's the team. If you hear someone from St. Peter's, the first thing that comes to mind is, I remember
0: watching you guys beat Kentucky. Loyola is paying they have a budget where they pay out about 4.3 million dollars annually. Yeah, St. Peter's will never. St. Peter's that. barely got over a million. Now, Kentucky's paying about 18 million. Yeah. Well, St. Budget. Peter's
2: will go up, but it'll still be tiny.
0: Yeah. And then th- you're recruiting to that though from a uh, coaching perspective too, right? right? Uh, fun show, fast-paced show today. We are back at it tomorrow. We'll pick up where we left off on all the NFL free agency and quarterback craziness. We'll discuss the Sweet 16 as well. Hope you'll join us for Outkick 360 daily here at 6th and Peabody in Nashville.
2: I pray to the good Lord you didn't slip up all them away. Don't block the box. Do lock the locks.